This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Are you listening? Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is Marcus, and you are tuned in to the Black Married and Debt-Free Podcast. My wife, Shire, and I were able to eliminate six figures worth of debt, and we're all about empowering others to do the same. Hey, Marcus and Shire, how y'all doing today? Doing good, doing good. Thanks for having us on uh, the podcast. Yes, it's good to see you both again. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We're super excited to have you on here. Like I was saying before, before I got cut off, but um, yeah, we definitely excited, you know, to finally interview y'all and kind of get y'all's perspective. I know we we should have been had y'all on here, honestly, a long time ago, but you know, late than ever. Uh, give us your, your general financial background, how y'all met, and then just like uh, how y'all came to be as far as Black Married and Debt Free. Like how how this all come about? Cool. Start with how we met, and I yeah. want to hear from him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we went to the same high school, but, uh, you know, she liked me, you know what I'm saying? But I never really noticed her, I guess. He didn't even know I was there. Yeah. He didn't know I was there. Yeah. And then we uh, went to community college and we had a mutual friend. And so I was a year older. So when she, her first day of school, she happened to run into me and the mutual friend introduced us. And then when, when she left, the mutual friend was like, she likes you, you know, she want to want to connect with you. So I'm like, OK. Yes, you know. I told her to give you my phone number yeah. and you had it. I had it for a while. You know? But you didn't call. Yeah. You know, I was I was weighing my options at the time. You didn't have no <laughs> options. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so as long story short, we eventually uh, I called her. I think I texted text This me. is when texting wasn't even really a thing yet. It was like 10 cents per text. Yeah. I just aged us. Yeah. Wait, how long ago was this? <laughs> Shoot, this is like 04? Yeah. Yeah. So like, about, what, almost 16 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. We are old. So <laughs> uh, long story short, we, you know, became good friends first. And then that blossomed into a relationship and we've been married for 13, going on 13 years. Okay. So we dated for three months mm. and then he proposed. Yeah. We had a seven month engagement and then we were married. So what year did y'all start dating? Like um, what was senior year? I, I, didn't, I know you said high school. What year was that? It was. Uh, well, we didn't date in high school. I noticed I, him in high school, but okay, we, yeah, yeah. We never spoke, and um, we 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 never talked yeah. until um, junior college. Junior college, okay, got you. Community college. That's when we met, and but we were friends for a long time. Yeah. But we were friends for so long that when we finally started dating, I guess he had already decided that he wanted to marry me. <laughs> so you it know, moved, it moved quick. It just moved very quickly. It escalated quickly. Yeah. Now, as far as upbringing, um, with me. You know, I, I come from a, a dual parent household. My mother and father were there. Married. Married. Yep. Married. Uh, marriage was like, is big in my family. All, all my aunts and uncles and grandparents have been married for like six. My grandparents have been married six years. My aunts and uncles, 30 plus years. 
So like I always saw marriage, so that was a, a good positive thing for me. As far as finance, um, we never really, it was never like a huge topic in my family. It was just like, I heard my parents like say little things about, did you transfer money over? And like, you know, it was just like, you heard little things about finances, but it was never like, this is how you do money. This is, this is credit. Uh, this is what credit is all about. This is, you know, it was nothing like that, nothing formal. And so when I grew up, I kind of just had to figure it out, you know, and that, that there were some growing pains there for sure. Yeah. And I grew up in a, in a single parent home and I do remember my mom having her checkbook and I know folks don't do that anymore, but anytime she was doing a transaction, she was always constantly writing it down. So she was really good about her money, but we didn't spend a lot of time talking about it. And I think we, we married super young. We were married at 21 and um, neither one of us knew very much about money. Yeah. Okay. So um, after y'all had pretty much, so I'm assuming y'all graduated sooner or later because you say you went to junior college. Y'all both had started uh, the dating and then eventually we could get married. So um, after y'all left out of a junior college and then like graduated into the real world, I'm assuming y'all had not like some student debt, some student loans, maybe some other debt that y'all had accrued because I mean, this is kind of why y'all on the show because y'all are called black married and debt free. So I'm assuming y'all had like a lot of debt. So uh, what did that look like for y'all as y'all were graduating out of college? Yeah, so when we got married, we decided to upgrade our life and we did that by using student loans. At least I did. I, I had around a little over $30,000 in student loan debt and I got some, some of the money was for things that I needed and then some money I took for just in case. Like, I don't know if I'm gonna need it, but just in case I do. And I totally don't recommend anyone do that because it ended up, turning into just in case I need some clothes, just in case I need some shoes, just in case, you know, things that I really didn't need. Um, we got a car. We got a car. Um, we, we had a couple credit cards. A couple credit cards. We also, we bought a house. Now, uh, thank God we bought a home in 2009, it, right after the crash. So mm -hmm. we're in, in Northern California and the, um, you know the home prices we were about an hour away from the bay area and we know how crazy the prices are for the bay area they're not as bad here but they they are still high but at that time we got a three bedroom three bath condominium for eighty nine thousand dollars which was crazy like i said that, that'll probably never happen again <laughs> in this area so right we did have a mortgage yeah uh, but it was it was Eighty nine thousand, so that was that was good. Yeah, so that's what our debt consisted of. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, yeah. the home purchase for us turned out to be a really great thing. Yeah. Um, but at the time, it was it was, you know, debt, and then it was like we were we were getting better jobs at the time, so we were just buying more stuff, and mm -hmm. that's how the debt kind of just blossomed. Before you know it, it's just like, man, we got all we got, you know, car note and credit cards and all these different things mm -hmm. and uh yeah so, so what I'm was so, the total debt? what was the total number i'm not sure if y'all said it what was the total number all together probably close to 120 somewhere around there well, yeah, one i think yeah. closer to maybe 110 yeah closer to maybe 110 mm -hmm. and we were paying it down you know just doing the minimum on everything and we just thought well it'll take care of itself eventually as long as we keep doing this and boy were we wrong <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we were wrong because we went, so when I got out of college, I wasn't working right away. Mm -hmm. I couldn't find anything because 
there weren't many opportunities in my field and the market had kind of went down, we were able to get a house. I had a job at that point. And then I didn't have a job. Right. Um, and then we had a baby and then we had one, in we had one income. Yeah, so we got down to one income. One income and that just, it wasn't much. Yeah. And we kind of hit this financial like rock bottom. And it, it, we were at a point to where our expenses were greater than our income. Right. And for us, that was very scary. And it happened kind of suddenly. Mm -hmm. And we were just like, uh-oh, how did we get here? Right. And for the majority of our marriage, we didn't really talk about money. Marcus, he was the money guy. And I wouldn't look at the bank account. If I wanted something, I would say, Marcus, can I get this? And he would say, yeah, just go ahead. We have more than enough. That's what he would always say. We have more than enough. So I would I would just go buy whatever, and I I was just I was just I was just not involved in finance at all. But then we kind of hit this financial rock bottom, and we literally like ha we sat down and we were like, what is really going on? And that's when we discovered we don't have enough money coming in. Yeah, and if I if I could go back just a second, so like mm -hmm. growing up, like. All the men in my in my life, uncles, father, they were like serial hustlers and workers. Like no one really went to so no one really went to college. And I, I went I had some college, as they say. I didn't I didn't graduate, but I was working. So my mentality was like, I'm working. It, it was real mochismo, like really chauvinist. Like I'm working, I'm I'll get the money. And and then, you know, that's how my mindset was. But then when I realized, dang, you know, some things changed on my job and I'm not making enough, Shire's not working. Like I, I have so much pride that I couldn't just come to her and be like, hey, this is where we're at right now. You know, we're we not, we not making ends meet. I, I, I was, you know, lying to myself and trying to, okay, I'm gonna just get another job then. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get a night job. Right. You know, he tried, stupid stuff. Right, you did, <laughs> you did because he took on like two full-time jobs. So he would work one job and then like go to the other job right after, and it didn't work. Like it lasted for like four days. Yeah. And then we, you know, that's kind of how we ended up in this really, really tight financial spot. And like I said, we had more bills than we had income. But when we first got married, we had a relative that was like, oh, y'all need life insurance and you need to start saving for retirement and all this other stuff. So we invited her over. She did the whole life insurance spill. And then we signed up for like some other account. We were putting like $25 or something like that a month. And we remember that we have been paying into this like little savings account. And we checked and we had a couple of thousand dollars in it, in that account. And so we had to cash it out. And that helped us to stay afloat until we were able to really get back on our feet. And then when we were able to get back on our feet, we said, you know what, we need to start doing some things differently. And that is when we started to get more focused on paying off our debt. So what that's that's crazy, because I feel like well, what I'm I mean, just based off of the like the dynamic of that story. Um, it sounds like y'all really, in order for y'all to realize a change needed to happen, is that you really had to hit rock bottom. Like you really, really had to see like <laughs> we can't keep going on like this. And I feel like a lot of people, it, it's like that for a lot of people. A lot of people like, cause I mean, in most instances, like if you like, you can catch things early and you can like fix them. But for a lot of people, they can, they can keep just brushing it to the side, like oh, it's not that big a deal, it's not that big a deal, and then it starts adding up, things add up, and then it compounds on each other. And then, you know, most of the time they don't realize that a change needs to be made, you know, into up until like 
it gets to a point where they can't literally even go any further than they've gone. Like they've hit literally rock bottom. And that's true. That's true that you say that, Alex, because I was sitting in a WIC office with a college degree. I'm mm -hmm. like, I didn't, you know, that it wasn't the life that I had planned. And thank God for WIC, because the cheese melts wonderfully <laughs> and I needed it. You know, we needed it at that particular time, right. you know, but I, I, I just thought that my life was gonna be a little bit different. But I understand now is that I was in the WIC office but it taught me so many, so many things. It taught me humility. It taught me gratefulness. And it also taught me that I needed to be there, not just for me, but for someone else so that someone else can hear our story because we have come a long way. Yeah. And for me, man, like y'all are looking at like a different guy because growing up, I was a serial C student, man. Like 70% was, that was great for me. You know? <laughs> And I, I took that to adulthood and I took that to life. So I was like, hey, if we're making the minimum, if I got a car and a place to live, man, I'm good. Like I, I literally aspire for nothing more than that, sadly, as I look back on it. Uh, but you're right, it took that rock bottom because I was perfectly cool with living average. You know, that 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 was that was good for me. So it took, you know, hitting rock bottom for me to realize like, whoa average is whack like I, I there i aspire for more so it definitely took that for me to, to hit rock bottom for sure here's a crazy thing in 2014 we realized okay we, something needs to change but there was still a process and we talk about the the, the stages of change so we realized we needed to do something but it was still a process to to get to the point where it, it went into action so it didn't go into action uh i would say until maybe 20 2015 right you know that's when we really started to you know uh, implement our strategies uh, to pay off debt and, and and different things like that yeah so we can talk about that so what it looked like it looked like me going back into the workforce mm -hmm. but y'all got pregnant again right away but i still i still went back i got a, a job and i worked my butt off and so um so now we had another income and then it also looked like um Mark is changing careers to make more money. And he also works the night shift. So because of that, um, we were able to eliminate the need for childcare. Which was $1,000 a month at the time. On a discount. Right. Okay, it was $1,000 a month on a discount. I will say that. So Marcus took a higher paying job. He's working nights. I'm working days. And then also Marcus, um, you have your online business. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a musician, so I was able to create multiple streams of income from that. Like, you know, doing on uh, selling music online, playing, you know, doing stuff live, live events, and also like tutorials. And you know, just saying, how can I take this one talent that I have and create different uh, streams of income with it? So that was definitely a large part of the strategy. Um, yeah. Yeah, so essentially what we were able to do was we were able to live completely off of Marcus' income and anything that I made and then anything that he may have made extra above and beyond what he uh, would usually make, we threw that at the debt. And so it took about, was it like two and a half years? It took us two and a half years in total. Yeah, and so we were able to pay off six-figure debt, right, in that two and a half years. And then all the while, what we were doing was we were starting to get interested in real estate. Mm -hmm. 
And so we were setting up on real estate because we knew that that is where we were going next. Because the first thing that we realized after paying off all that debt was that the true key to financial freedom isn't debt freedom, but it's passive income. And I think a lot of people <clears throat> that mixed up, they said, oh, well, I don't have any debt. I'm free. No, no, no. Because you don't have any debt, but you still have to get up the next day and go to work like everybody else. So that's not living like everybody else. If you stuck in the eight o'clock traffic, you know, <laughs> so that's when we said, okay, well, we need to start working on creating streams of passive income. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Real quick, because there's some things you said in there that I really want to get into a little later. Um, but real quick, I, I want to talk a little bit more about the debt too, specifically, because I mean, $120,000 of debt paid off in, you said, two and a half years, right? That, that's <laughs> incredible. I mean, that's essentially a mortgage, right? That's what a lot, of, you know, a lot of people, you can look at it like that. And, you know, the fact that y'all were able, able to do that, you know, clearly there were some things that y'all were doing that, you know, a lot of people have no clue about, right? So can you talk specifically about like strategies that you use to implement the debt, like, or to pay it off so quickly and, and in terms of like, you know, budgeting and all of those things that y'all had used right so we try to get our expenses as low as possible and so several years ago cable was really popular and yeah. so like people actually had cable we were one of those people <laughs> <laughs> you know so we we cut the cable we've changed our phone providers you know we have we don't have a, a real expensive phone you know just like little things to bring our expenses down yeah. we call it take we, we took personal and financial inventory. So Charles speaking more on the financial inventory, we looked at what are we spending our money on? <clears throat> and first, you know, how, what can we cut back? What could we change? I got a 24 hour fitness membership. I don't even go to the gym like that. Oh you yeah, know? I have one too. I had a membership <laughs> too and I wasn't going. So, you know, I cut that, but this is the thing. People think that your life has to be miserable and you have to just suffer to pay off this debt. Like I'm just gonna suffer and eat cornflakes every, you know, every day. Like, <laughs> That, that's not true. We didn't suffer. It was great. I think that was a really great season in our marriage because we were working towards something that we Bigger. were, yeah, that we were really passionate about. We had started having children and things like that. And the debt did consist of our mortgage. So when we became debt free, it included our mortgage. And yeah. so for us, it was living off the one income and then using the second income to throw completely at the debt. So yeah. as soon as I got paid, we already knew where the money was going. Right. And then we started, we focused in on our, our credit cards. We knocked that out. Then we worked on the student loan. We knocked that out. Yeah. And then went on to the mortgage and knocked that out. Right. And I'm sure your listeners, because uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm a avid listener to the, uh, to y'all's podcast. So I'm sure you broke down like the, the different strategies, avalanche, snowball, and, uh, and you know, consolidation, debt consolidation, but we, we chose the snowball. And so we, we started paying the smallest debt and then that would give us like little uh, moments to celebrate. You know what I'm saying? So that was big for us because sometimes when you're 
Like when we got to the, the biggest debt, which was the mortgage, there's not much celebrating going on because you're constantly in that grind. And I, that's why I like the snowball because it gets you motivated so you can do that next thing. You know, if you start with the biggest thing, you might halfway through be like, you know what, man, forget this. <laughs> so the snowball worked for us. Right. And I will say that this is just what we did. And we're not advising people to to necessarily approach their debt in the way that we did. Because if we were, I don't know, if we were in our mid forties or fifties and we didn't have any retirement savings or, you know, things like that, I wouldn't say just throw it. I would, I would caution, you know? So I think that you have to plan, you have to plan long-term for us. We were able to knock the debt out in what, two and a half years, which is reasonably a short period of time. If this debt would have taken us a decade, for 15 years, I would have thought twice about that. So I think that is you you should hear other people's experience. You should learn from their experience. But when it comes to you, personal finance is called personal finance because it's personal. And every every uh, strategy is not going to work for every single person. I think that's a real key right there because I, I do want people to understand that this may have worked for y'all, but it may not work for them. But something can't work for them. It's just about finding what does work for you at the end of the day and just making sure it aligns with your goals and, and on your timetable, like how long you want to you're willing to endure this. Like you said, y'all took two and a half years, but this really started back with like a transformation. Like y'all saw where y'all currently were and y'all were like, no, this is not where we want to have for our life anymore. And I think what, what was good about y'all, you said y'all did the snowball. So y'all were able to have like little instant little gratification moments like just little milestones jumps that y'all had every now and again where you can say okay we paid down our credit cards that's, that's a, we can celebrate a little bit pay down our car we can celebrate that a little bit so that's like encouragement to continue moving forward and, and go on to the next one because you, you enjoy that feeling it's like almost a high like i, I want to feel that again some, somehow some way so I'm, I'm encouraged to go on to the next one so i'm guessing that y'all built some really good habits from from um from going through this debt freedom journey like y'all build good habits as far as personal finance being able to save y'all money being able to invest it accordingly so um based off of all of that how how is this uh work for your portfolio now as far as your overall net worth that's a great question uh marlon it, it it's well i think on the surface the first thing that you notice is that we go from six-figure debt you, we you know we, we've been able to turn that to six-figure net worth over time uh and you know like shara was saying when we were in that place we, we had laser focus so then that helped us to focus on okay what do we want to do after this you know shara would always say when we were in that process of paying off the debt that it's a mathematical equation it's gonna happen we, we've, we've calculated when we're gonna if we continue what we're doing the debt will be done at this time so stop stressing on it. now let's take our focus that energy and let's focus to what are we going to do after that so we, we, we started researching real estate. We knew we wanted to own rental properties. So we started looking at, okay, exactly how could we take our situation and, and, and get properties and different things like that. Um, so we, we looked into, you know, HELOC and okay, so we're going to have our uh, equity in our home. Maybe we can use that. And so it just, the habit that we developed was being able to uh, self-educate, you know, because we had so much uh, time now that the process was kind of taking care of itself, the, the, the debt payoff process to take care of itself. So we freed up time for us to educate ourselves on what we wanted to do after uh, the, the money, you know, after we paid off the debt. Right. And let me piggyback off of that, because the thing with education is when you start to educate yourself, it counteracts fear. There's a lot of fear around debt, like debt is the boogeyman. And if you have debt, 
oh, you're irresponsible, you know? And I think that when we were able to conquer debt, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not afraid of it anymore. Right. And so at this point we are leveraging, leveraging debt in a responsible way to obtain rental properties. And as Marcus was sharing, at the time we paid off our condo, it was worth three times what we paid for it. And so we were able to use the HELOC strategy um, to use the equity in our home to go purchase another property cash out of state, cash flowing property, you know, and then we were able to get another property in the same year, you know? And so, yeah, so our portfolio is, we have, Currently, we have two rental properties, one of which is completely paid off. Yeah. And then, Marlon, just... Uh, I wasn't done. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> excited, y'all. I love okay. talking. And, and we're all, also investing in the market. So we're investing like yeah. around 30% of our income into the market. So... Yeah. So the, the habit of living on uh, low means while we were paying off our debt, that helped us as well because once we paid off the debt, we didn't just start saying, now we got all this money. We took that money and we were able to put it uh, in the market. So now we got the real estate that's popping off and then we're putting, we were putting away around 30, 35% of our income to, uh, you know, Roth IRAs and 401k and stuff like that. So it's, it's been able to, you know, really blow up our net worth a little bit. So I think, <clears throat> I think the strategy that y'all use is really like textbook. Like you can literally like write a textbook about building wealth using this strategy because it's number one is tried and true. But the thing I love about it, right? Because one common theme on our show, you know, depending on who we're talking to, right, is people are either going to be, you know, this side or this side in terms of their strategy to build wealth, right? Marlon's already smiling because he knows what I'm about to say. <laughs> but he, we talk about most of the time, you know, people are either, you know, team Ramsey or they're team Kiyosaki. Right. In terms of like uh, what, like what, what their strategy is. Yeah. So in terms of, you know, because on, on Team Ramsey, you got you got typically the person that, you know, they have they have a lot of debt. Right. They have, you know, six figures of debt. They're trying to pay that down, learning to live below their means. Um, uh, and they're not really investing a lot. But the biggest thing is paying down debt. Right. And then, you know, Dave Ramsey says, you know, pay off your mortgage before you start investing. Right. And then you got Team Kiyosaki, who's more so, you know, financial freedom, get, getting assets, uh, getting passive income, right? I, debt is good, leveraging debt, all those things, right? And I think what y'all, it kind of just clicked to me as y'all were talking and explaining your journey, right? It's really, it's always, I think the best, like the reason I say it's textbook is because what y'all did essentially was you utilize Team Ramsey first, right? And you utilize uh, Dave Ramsey strategies to get to the point to where now you have you even have since you paid off your house like you did it to the point where you he, dave ramsey says pay off his house and i'm not to say y'all listen to him but dave ramsey says to pay off your house right and then you get to that point i don't i don't listen to dave ramsey so i don't know how much he tells you to go like go buy rental properties and stuff but i assume he doesn't right but y'all now y'all now since you had this paid off mortgage now you have leverage now right and you can use that now to get into team kiyosaki and come on in my opinion the good side now it's not it's not it's not neither of them are bad but you know this is the this is my favorite side i like this side and like now you you've leveraged that to get to this side now and now you're this is where you're creating crazy wealth now you're going to build major wealth now and this is like shira mentioned earlier debt freedom isn't the end the goal is passive income and assets and building wealth with you know um assets and things that are going to pay you 
And so that's now where y'all are at now. Um, and it, it was, I was kind of unsure about it before we interviewed y'all because, you know, I'll go to y'all's page and I'll see like stuff about, you know, obviously y'all have the rental properties and then I'll see, you know, the 401k and the Roth IRA and those kind of things. Right. And I was like, okay, it's kind of like mixed signals. Which one are they doing? So I was really excited to kind of talk to y'all about it and see. So, I mean, I really, I commend y'all on that. It was like, that's beautifully executed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. You. you know, we've had many discussions because we were not on Instagram or YouTube um, while we were doing our debt-free, what they call debt-free journey. People, I, I started with this and now, like we, we weren't totally out of the loop. And so once we paid off our debt, we're like, ooh, let's start a YouTube channel. We thought we was gonna be the first one. We thought we were the first one, <laughs> right? And then we just called it Black American Debt-Free because that's where we were. And that, that identified with where we were at that particular time, which was, you know, several years ago. So we started that and then it was like, oh, we start running into other people. Oh my gosh, there's tons of people that do that that do this and are talking about this. Right. Um, and I think debt freedom is important. If you wanna know how to be debt free, you need to, you can look at Ramsey, but if you wanna build wealth, I don't know that that would be the person that I personally would recommend. And at the end of the day, Dave Ramsey didn't pay off this debt. We paid off this debt and I'm not giving him <laughs> We paid off those bills. Right. Thank you, Lord, for the help. You know, but he didn't do it, we did it. And so I don't like when I see people of color, when I see black people saying, I did ABC because no, 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 you did it. Own it. You paid off that six figure debt. Own it. You bought that rental property, you own it so that we can build up some new speakers, some new leaders, some new financial gurus. I, I want to I talk about the money monopolizers and how they're making a difference. I love Robert Kiyosaki, but I want to talk about what y'all doing. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Man, no, I, I need you to put up, <laughs> Alex, put a uh, talk to this church music in the background. <laughs> Because she started preaching. Yeah. Uh -huh. and, and Alex, you, you, you pretty much described it perfectly because, so like, we used to listen to like the Dave Ramsey show and now we're like, that that sparked the thing like, oh, people are people are paying off their debt. Like, I didn't even know people were doing that before I heard it. So I give him credit for that. Like the inspiration, the spark. Okay, cool. But then the thing with Dave Ramsey people is like- It's you're, a cult. Yeah, you can't like a piece of his philosophy. If you don't like it all, they just own you. They're so it's like, all right, you. well, then I'm out then. I'm out. So mm -hmm. it's funny because uh, Shire read uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. She's like, Marcus, you got to check this out. This is before we really got started. So I drive a lot at work. I listened to the whole audio book in one shift. And I was like, this, this, this is what I'm talking about. Now this I can get with. You know what I'm saying? Right. So yeah, it, it's we, we took a, a little bit of it of both, you know, I guess you could say, but we made it all wrong. And that's what Shire is trying to say. It's like, right. Right. Hey. Yeah. And some of it's, I don't want to go down. I don't want to go too far off, you know, but when you study, you start to build your own financial philosophy. You know, mm -hmm. we're talking about Dave Ramsey. Okay. Like the $1,000 emergency fund. Well, according to research, the average cost of a family emergency is $2,000. That is what the research has shown, okay? So if you want to continue to spill out information that's not backed by what people are actually experiencing in the real world, I feel that is personally irresponsible, you know? But anywho, I digress. <laughs> and we can move on. At the I end of the day, 
Yeah, I, I just like that you have. So basically, you can choose your mentors at the end of the day. And some mentors may have something for you. Some mentors may have something else for you. But it's up to you to listen to, like, pick and choose what you want to listen to from each mentor and make it apply to your own financial philosophy at the end of the day. So but, that just kudos to y'all on that. Go ahead, Alec. Yeah, and the best thing about like the times we're in now is that. Like you said, Shire, Dave Ramsey isn't the only mentor. Kiyosaki isn't the only mentor now. You have Shire and Marcus now that are mentors. You got mm-hmm. Alex and Marlon now that are mentors. You got a bunch of people now you can take different things from. And now it's not like, like you said, a cult. You don't have to be a part of the thing. Like people leave, people leave you know, reviews on our page because of how we talk about Dave Ramsey. They're like, y'all are haters, whatever. And they gave us, you know, four star reviews for them. I'm like, <laughs> we talking about like how we think, we how we view it and how we think wealth should be built. So it's different. Right. So yeah, I mean, yeah. that's really all it is. But um, so so then, as far as y'all's like, uh, I guess investment vehicles. You talk about real estate. You talk about you know the four hundred one k. You talk about those things. What what are y'all like primary? Like, what is your like primary? I guess investment vehicle that you would say is like the number one. I guess one that y'all are using towards uh, early retirement. Okay, so um, well, I I still work. And I work for a university and I have a pension through the university, which is not a whole lot of money. Um, so I have the pension and then I have a, a 403B account um, through my work that I'm investing in. And then we have Roth IRAs and then Marcus has his 401k. And so those yeah. are what we're using now. Yeah, we're using, like I said, uh, 35% of our income, 30, 35% of our income is going to invest investing in the market the, the stock market via mm-hmm. index funds uh that's that's really what we like to invest in um and then real estate to me me and Shire have a plan that we develop on the real estate side that can get us where we want to be in 10 years or less and when i say where we want to be that means no longer punching the clock and that doesn't even include our contributions yeah and, and, and that's yeah that's not including the, the work contribution so if we didn't contribute anything to the market, we have a plan real estate wise that can that will potentially retire us in 10 years. And we're we're kinda on in in you know phase you know we're the early phases plan. of that. Working that plan. Uh, but if we if we include what our contributions are to work I mean, you know on the index fund side, uh, you know that could that could be accelerated. But th- those two strategies, real estate and investing in index funds via Roth IRAs and 401k, that's really you know our retirement strategy or our so when do y'all building strategy yeah okay when did so when do y'all plan to actually you know is there like a goal as far as like a date to like you know get rid of the nine to five and you know no, <laughs> i don't that. i don't like dread my job There's yeah some people i hate I, my job i yeah. hate it i'm like okay you should have went to school for something else that you would actually <laughs> like um i don't actually like just like my job. I mean, I don't know that I would, I would probably work part time, but yeah, I think that with the plan that we currently have, it, it'll probably be less than 10 years. Yeah. And you want to come off his job. And here's the thing. You like, come we're off. totally different. I want to be done today. Like if I ever can't, went to work again, I wouldn't move nobody. And that's just, <laughs> <dang. laughs> so, so we're meeting somewhere in the middle, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, so that's why I say we're really using two strategies. Shire has preached to me like, 
I know we could do real estate a hundred percent, but right. let's 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 you know let's diverge. We're diversifying. Let's, uh, diversify a little bit, and and so I think we're trying to marriage those two things where Shires really enjoys her job and enjoys her career, and where I'm ready to be done. So that's why we're kind of meeting in the middle, and so. And I feel as soon as we can, as soon as I can be done, I'm I'm done. He'll be done first, but I I feel like we're pretty conservative. Yeah, like yeah. we're not. I don't consider us to be over leveraged or yeah. you know, the real estate is self sustaining right. and it does require a dime from me, and so yeah. that's the way that it should be though. Mm -hmm. But I feel that we are pretty conservative, yeah. and we're not just hyper aggressive. We yeah. we have a plan. I think some people some people miss like the purpose of uh, passive income and um, financial freedom is that you it allows you to open up your choices and open up your options of what you want to do with your life. Like if you want to leave your job, you can. If you want to stay in your job because you love what you do, you can. Like it doesn't matter. It's not, not like a requirement to say if you have passive income that you automatically have to quit your job. So I think just by building up that passive income and just building up that passive wealth overall, you will be able to have those options and then choose what you want to do. So Marcus, if you want to leave yesterday, you already out, right. out the door Shira if you want to stay for as long as you like I mean as long as you are enjoying what you do or you can you can make the make your own rules you'd be like you know what I'm coming in part-time now because I can make that choice for myself and that's really what financial freedom is all about at the end of the day bro financial freedom slash F you money that's what we <laughs> right. thank you right. okay then. I got you I got you <laughs> yeah. I love it then so then real quick about that then so what kind of made y'all comfortable then purchasing like the out-of-state rental properties because a lot of people you know i mean obviously y'all are in sacramento which i would never invest in it, you know i wouldn't come near there <laughs> live. <laughs> yeah yeah so you know obviously that's like you know something that you had to look at but what made you like actually like comfortable with that idea because a lot of people you know people we've talked to even last couple weeks ago they said i don't even want a property in state or i'm i'm scared about getting one in state how, how can i get one out of state Right. I like to use this analogy. Um, have you ever seen um, Coming to America? Yeah. With Hakeem or whoever. What's his, Hakeem? Uh, Hakeem and, when he spun the globe. When he spun the globe and they didn't know where they were going to go to find their, their queen. Yeah. And then they just landed on queen. I mean, yeah. that's pretty much how we landed in North Carolina. Yeah. I mean. Uh, we had a friend. My, I had a friend that lived in Tennessee. He's like a business partner. He lived in mm -hmm. Tennessee. We were looking at Tennessee like, man, Tennessee, you know, that's that's a little affordable. We got somebody, you know, boots on the ground, you right. know. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was like, man, we could do that. Well, he ups and moves to North Carolina and moves to Charlotte. So I'm like, all right, let me look in Charlotte now, you know. So I look in Charlotte, I'm like, it's kind Charlotte's of expensive. Nice. Yeah, it's nice. But though. then, yeah, since then, Charlotte is pretty, is, you know, almost where Sacramento is as far as the market. Uh, market. But then, so we said, okay, so what are some, what are, you know, Charlotte's the second largest uh, city in North Carolina. So we was like, okay, Raleigh is number two. Uh, that's still a little high. Greensboro, okay, Greensboro, okay. He's close, you know, if we needed him to, hey man, can you go check on this? That's a false sense of security. He's never checked on any of our no, properties. No, he hasn't, yeah. But that, like that. that's how my mind was thinking at the time. That's, yeah. that's what made me feel a little more comfortable, as, as mm -hmm. dumb as that may sound. But then when we began to do the research, we started, you know, researching other people who have done this. And we was like, okay. And uh, we, we, I follow a gentleman, Morris Invest, I don't know if you know, on YouTube, uh, and he, he has multiple properties out of state. So I started looking at his videos and I was like, okay, this isn't as hard as it seems if you got your team in place. And that's what mm -hmm. we, we preach to people. You got to have your team in place, yeah. property management. You got to have a, a good uh, real estate agent. You, you need a, you need a, someone, a champion for you, you know, someone who could say, hey, I know a general contractor I could connect you with, or I, I know this and someone who can be that for you. 
and then that makes makes everything easier and puts you more at ease. Right. And so we were able to do that. But first you gotta get your money because if you don't have no you don't have the financing or if you don't have money, then people it's hard to build your team right. and you ain't got no money. Right. Um so we had our money together and then you started calling different I started with real, real estate agents. Real estate agents in that area once we settled in on a general area. Yeah. I started checking temperatures and, and talking with different real estate agents and kissed a few uh, frogs, you know. You kissed too many before frogs. Found, Some people, I just was not happy. I was like, you need to stop talking to this person. This real estate agent ain't going to work out. Yeah. You don't want to believe me. And so we found a real estate agent that had access to other, you know, people. Said, okay, I know general contractors. I know uh, I have a property manager you, you might be interested in. So he began to like kind of be our hands and feet yes and you know taking video of home you know doing doing going that extra mile and right. made the process like you know what this is this is not that hard at all right you have to find someone who is just as hungry as you are so the realtor that we had he i don't think he was like a oog but he's on his way to like right. og status yeah. you know and he was hungry and like he wanted you know to work with us and that's the vibe that we got from him yeah. and we're he helped us with both of our home purchases and we still keep in contact with him and we referred people in our local area to him and yeah. so he's he's excellent i love it i love it and i think that's the that's the that's the best strategy to use um and i the use especially talking about finding your team first that's what's something that a lot uh, on bigger pocket they talk about a lot in terms of uh with david green he wrote the book the long distance real the book on long distance real estate investing and um that's something he talks about a lot too is <clears throat> getting your core four Right. You got your agent, you got your property manager, your lender and your uh, contractor all there already because you don't want to. The, the problem people try to do is go find a property and then, you know, oh, OK, I need a lender now. Oh, I need an right. agent now. You need all this. And then the deal falls apart. Right. And or it's people you don't trust. You need to have people that you trust there. That's the key. So I, I think that y'all are doing it perfectly. And um, people should really take take heed to that. Marlon, did you have anything to add? I do want to say that it was that what's most important about like when you're trying to get into any type of investment or something that you haven't done before in general, it's always good to have somebody that's able to help you out along and along the way and start building up some people that are like like minded individuals, somebody who's able to uh, like, I guess, be almost an accountability partner and also be able to help you out with things that you may not know because you, know, you don't know everything, but it's still OK to take that first step and just and, um, to try to do something that you haven't done before, especially if it's going to build wealth and passive income for you over time time like most people are scared because they want to do everything themselves and that's uh something that gets, stops a lot of people from getting started in general so just so i applaud y'all for just taking the first step in general and then being being willing to seek out people that y'all may not know but building those relationships to where y'all are able to rely on them to do something for y'all outside of y'all where y'all currently live at mm -hmm. uh okay. and another thing marlon that helped us was uh, we, we we went to an open house one time and we met a, a guy who he was a lender. He was on the lender side, and he, he, we told him, he's like, you want to buy this house? We were just being nosy, kind of walking into an open house, and he was like, do you guys want this house? We was like, no, nah, we're we're actually paying off our home, and we want to be, become investors. We want to buy property out of state. And he was like, well, I own properties, you know, and that's not, I don't recommend that, you know, you're, you gonna, you're gonna have that. to deal with this and this and that. And I was like, you know, that made us, feel, you know, kind of feel like, you know what? No, we're going to do it anyway. We're going to do it anyway. I'm not going to, I'm not going to let somebody speak that in my, yeah, over me. Yeah. So I think a lot of it was wanting to go against the grain because, you know, where we come from, that's kind of unheard of. So wait, let, let me, let me, let me hear you right. You're getting into real estate and you're going to do it out of state. You got a lot of naysayers, you know, that make sprout up when you tell them that. So 
that was motivation for us too was to really prove people wrong and prove us right you know i think that had a lot to do with it too mm-hmm. yeah i love that i love that <laughs> especially when you say no it, it, didn't, it didn't work for you don't say it's right. not gonna work for me right it's different <laughs> so. and i think it was working for him because he came off very you know to very be very successful, successful. Right. um but at the same time we weren't talking to a brother i'll just say yeah. that you know and i'm like you know <laughs> you don't even know me like that. We yeah. just walked into this open house and you're telling me, you know. Yeah, a lot of times if people don't see see themselves in you, they might not give you the correct information. You know, it might not give you the the, the real, you know. And so right. he, he, maybe he's just like, I don't see it working for you guys. You know, that could have been what was on his mind. But, right. You know, we wanted to prove, prove him wrong and prove us right, so... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cool. So I kind of want to transition now um, into a little, you know, kind of a different uh, segment, I guess. So last year, y'all did an episode, a podcast episode, um, because if people don't know that are listening, they also do a podcast. Y'all should check out their podcast, Black Married and Debt Free. And it um, it was it was like in September, y'all did an episode about a Cornell study. about a they they were talking about a um decline in marriages due to a shortage of economic and economically attractive uh men right so essentially men with good income right and one of the i want to talk about this a little bit too because one of the one of the quotes and i i listened to it i really i re-listened to it again just so i could refresh and one of the things that um had came up and I read, I found the article too, and I saw this quote. It said that unmarried American women face overall shortages of economically attractive partners. Um, women are looking for husbands with an income 58% higher than those of the available men, right? So obviously, you know, <laughs> in love, you know, we did an episode about this too. Love isn't going to pay the bills, right? Obviously, love is not the only factor whenever you're talking about marriage. It's different when you're talking about just the, you're dating someone, right? cool love you know y'all going to mcdonald's whatever anyway so it's different at that case but when you talk about marriages it's a transaction to an extent also right so you have to after be adding some value offering something of value but i do want to hear y'all's perspective on this for you know just to give it to our listeners too and so we can have this conversation so do y'all think that you know that is true that there aren't a lot of you know young men right now black or white that may not be fit for marriage I think we have a shortage of men who have a mind to be married. You know, um, we were reading an article yesterday about millennials in general. Um, marriage, millennials in general don't marry as quickly. I feel like we were the last of the breed of like marrying in your early twenties, and a lot of that was because we were brought up like you know in the in, in the church. And that, like that was like really beating our head. Like you, you get married, you know, you don't, you don't, don't just be living with each other, you know. Like, but I think like the the newer generation, like they 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 want to get their education first. They want to get their careers going, and then they're looking to to you know get married. So I think millennials are just marrying at a later age, and they're becoming more educated, and they know what they want. We didn't know what we wanted. 
I know I wanted somebody who was really a beautiful person inside and out. And I wasn't thinking about the money side of it. I remember we had a conversation about money when we were like dating and we like we like compared our money. Okay, so I make this much. You he worked at much. grocery store too. He yeah, groceries. And then we were like, "How much do we need to live?" And shower. We left the conversation like we both need to make more before we could get serious about marriage. Man, I proposed to her a couple weeks later. Like, <laughs> forget all that. I was in love, you know. But I think that this generation, they're 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 a little more, you know. They don't do it like that, you know what I'm saying? They 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 they're they're more educated, more intellectual. They intellectualize things more, and it's like like you said, uh, uh, Alex. It's it's uh it's more of a business transaction now. You know what I'm saying? We're entering into a uh, a marriage, but it's they look at it more like it's a it's a it's a partnership too. So I think right. women they they're looking at it like okay, this is a, this is it's love, but it's it's a transaction as well. So they're not just gonna marry anybody, you know. I think that's. That's what we see happening. Yeah, I feel we're very untraditional. Mm-hmm. We didn't live together. We wouldn't, uh-uh, none of that, mm-hmm. you know? So it was, I don't know, it was a different time. And I don't know. I mean, I have friends who have said, I need a man to make at least as m- what I make for me to marry them. I'm like, girl, you got a PhD, you know? Like, no, <laughs> they not. They don't have to. I don't, think, I don't think that they have to. I think that when you're married, it's more than just, your income. There are many parts to a marriage and it's not just money is one part and it's an important part, but there are other parts too. Cause, yeah, Cause on the flip side, you get, you can have a gentleman that, that checks all the boxes financially career wise, but he, if he's, you know, you, you know, abusive, then that's not a good thing too. So it's like a double-edged sword. You need to find somebody, um, not necessarily who's just educated or just has the, the career, but also somebody who's a good person, you know? Right. And the question that you should be asking yourself is, can I build a life with this person? Right. Not, not look at what I have. I already have a life and you have a life. Right. No, no, no. Can we build together? Can we make something together? That's what a marriage is. So then, okay, I, I, I love that point then. So, but to, I guess to, I guess to ask um, in rebuttal against that is you would say that in, in, education isn't necessarily as important as income or neither matters or it's just strictly should be should you build for, can you build is that how you like is that pretty much what you're saying can you build can, don't marry for potential we're not saying that yeah, like yeah. girl he's I mean he's, I, I, I see his fire I, I, no because they are people are who they are but people also change I'm not the same person who I was when we first got married I'm a totally different person and so are you yeah and I think it matters when you get married too Alex if you're getting married in your late twenties, you're looking for you're you're looking for something different than you were in your early twenties. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have friends that are in their thirties and they're and they're kind of still looking to find a mate. Well, you're dealing with people who may have already had a divorce, have kids. Like, so your tastes are totally different at that point, and your tastes are different at that point when it comes to uh, career and education. So, if you're in your mid to late thirties. You might be looking for somebody who, hey, you need to have your 401k need to be good to go. You, you need to have your career, some, you have some properties. Like you you may be looking for that. So I think a lot of it has to do with the age in which you're in, you know? And I don't know what this emphasis on is. He must be educated. Like Marcus was sharing, like he didn't finish a four year degree. And I don't care. I mean, he didn't have to. He's a very intelligent man. Okay, uh, he's done. Everyone he works with has a college degree. They pay for it. They work in the same office, and like, there's too much emphasis on that. Look at the person. Who are they? Can you grow together? 
it's not I don't know you want to and say I, stuff <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think I think because I really like what you said especially with the age thing too because I mean for us I mean me and Marlon we're 23 years old right and it's like I mean, Marlon, he's 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 good. He already got a girl, so he's good. But for a me, girl? girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, he got a he 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 been with his girl for a minute, so he he good money. Oh, but, I mean, you don't want to wait too long. See, I'm six, just joking. Six and a half years, actually. Oh, okay. We started okay. dating in high school too. Gotcha. Yeah, we start. It's not two, but we we met each other in high school. But we started dating the senior year in high school. Gotcha. Yeah, but but see, he so he's good. But for people like me, who's in different situations. <laughs> Like my whole thing, like, cause it, if you're like, we obviously me and Marlon, we're not like in terms of like the typical 23 year olds doing things that other 23 year olds are doing. <laughs> so it's kind of, it's harder to like find people within our age group for me specifically that are like kind of, I'm not saying that I need them to be like on a certain level. Like you don't need to be doing what I'm doing. I just, my whole thing is that I just think that because once, like you said, I'm trying to figure out how to say this, but like you said earlier, once you graduate like from school, well, for me, once you graduate from school, pe- people don't people don't get married as like earlier. So like like when y'all were in school, a lot of people were getting married like in college and stuff, right? But like now, people are graduating, they might still be looking for someone, and they're st- they want to get their career started. You know, they want to be s- independent before they can, which I am a big advocate of, like being independent before you actually like try to, you know, get married. And, um, But it is a lot harder like to find someone once you get out of school now, because now you're looking at, it's a limited pool now. You're looking, you know, in the workplace or the grocery store or, you know, the library, stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's a lot harder, you know, now. So I don't know. Nah, I feel you, I, yeah, I think the good thing is me and Marks were looking at some like statistics last night and it says that millennials are divorcing less frequently mm-hmm. and it's actually those that are 40 and older where the divorce rate is like growing but younger folks they tend to div- they are divorcing um, yeah. less yeah and I think like how you said it's because you're you're able to and you're taking more time to analyze exactly who you want is this mm-hmm. person the right person and and there's less error <laughs> uh, when it comes to marrying the right person so like, like you know, uh, I, I definitely hear what you're saying, Alex, because you, you're you're not looking for just anybody. You want somebody who they might not be where you're at, but they got the mentality, you know, mm-hmm. the, the right mentality. And uh, that's hard to know, find. It's, right? it's definitely hard to find. <laughs> yes. It's definitely hard to find. But yeah. you know, there's a lot of probably young ladies that are looking for somebody with you know what I'm saying with your yes. mentality either. Yes. It's just about y'all having connected. You know what I'm saying? That's right. how- I don't know what he got. I, I, I want to. I do want to add on to that because I'm thinking um, it, it's, it may feel good to like find somebody early on, but at the same time, I think that during these during these years right here, like that we're in young adult life, I think this is time where people are just not finding themselves or just like figuring out their mentality that, that they want to have moving forward in life. And I know for me especially, because I'm um, currently at Purdue and going to, uh, here for grad school and doing a master's degree. These past two years, I've been really doing a lot of self development. So this is allowed me to find myself more and figure out more so who I am as a person and what what things um I want to be in life as as far as to something to be a spouse for somebody else so that's just one thing I think is like an advantageous of like maybe getting together with somebody later on as opposed to starting too early because you may realize that you're not compatible for somebody if you start developing uh, early on like at, at these early adult ages and then you uh like maybe grow apart from the person that you were compatible with when y'all were younger 
Yeah, that's that's good, Marlon. Like, so pretty much, Alex, to, to piggyback like what Marlon's saying, if I, I would prefer an individual take the time and find the right person and y'all stay together than to like find somebody young and y'all grow apart and when you realize who you really are and you're like that was a waste well (laughs) wait what i the whole the right person like i don't like i don't know that what what is the right person you're the right one like no you're two people and and as you're learning yourself that that doesn't end when you get married that's a lifelong Mm -hmm. that's a lifelong thing you know that folks should be committed to being the best version of you doesn't stop when you're married and i think that maybe a past generation kind of hide behind that i just married the wrong person no 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 no, boo look inside you what was your role and i don't know just kind of goes back to being committed to grow together because You yeah. are going to change. I'm not the same person I was True. almost 13 years ago when we got married. Right. I just feel like that has something to do with with the divorce rate because you said the millennials weren't getting the divorce as much. And maybe that's because they had figured out who they wanted to be and now they know who they're looking for in a partner more so as they got older before they got together with somebody else. Yeah. That could have played a fact. Absolutely. Okay. Well, all right, cool. So <laughs> that that is... Um, I'm definitely gonna take heed to that. I need to go re-listen to that. To be honest, but, <laughs> he's part of the audience right now. He's like, sure, I'm gonna take notes, my audience. No, that's why I be asking. <laughs> opportunity for me to ask. But um, there was something real quick too that I did want to add to this. Cause and look, I, when I say this, I hope I don't regret saying this. But <laughs> I mean, it's a podcast. You say what you want. So there was something. There was something that when I was researching the topic, I don't know if y'all know who Rush Limbaugh is. But yeah. um, he's like a obviously like a conservative political commentator, and one of the things he, that he said was that um, I'll just read the quote. I'm not even going to try to say that I said it, but he said that this story shows that fem- feminism has come back to bite women in the butt. They're earning money, but they still have the same attitude about money. Now he's essentially saying that women are aggressing to like 1950s ideologies when it comes to marriage, right? Like oh, uh, you know, like feminism is still here but at the same time well i need a i need a man that's gonna make more money than me and you know these kind of things so do you think that i guess i'm specifically asking chira (laughs) but do you think that that's like a i don't do you see any like validity to that (laughs) that's a dope question i mean that is a good so okay let me just make sure i understand what he's saying so what he's saying is that women's standards have become so like he's saying women went through this uh I'm an independent woman phase where they got their careers, but now they're like, okay, but now I still want you to make more, like, I still want you to make enough to take care of me. But y'all went through a phase where like, y'all didn't need no man. Now y'all want a man. Y'all want them to make more than you after you've got your career, different things like that. Can I, can I, can I add another dynamic to this conversation that Rush probably doesn't know? I mean, he would you know, he's he's a I'm, a, I'm assuming a middle-aged white man. So when you add in the context of race, when you add in the context of race, it brings in a different dynamic because it's hard being a black man. I empathize. Not saying it's easy being a black woman, but I think that historically, black folks have been oppressed. Um, but I think that adding in the dynamic of race, it's, it just it just makes it more of a complicated question. Like, can I expect my black man to be keeping up with, you know, an, 
it's just, I don't know. I just think it's more of a complicated question. Yeah, yeah. If we don't acknowledge history in some type of way. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, like, especially with, I'm speaking of black women, black women got their careers and, and did what they had to do out of necessity a lot of times. So um, to now kind of say, well, see, now that you did that and now it's here to bite you in the butt, I think that's that's not right because, uh, you know, black women ha had to do what they had to do. You know what I'm saying? Uh, African-American men are incarcerated in higher numbers than any other there's uh, not enough black. There's not enough black not enough men out there for every black woman. For every black woman, it just ain't gonna happen. It's just, it's just not gonna happen. It's a, it's a statistical fact. Yeah. So now you know, black women had to they had to get out the mud, so to speak. They had to get their careers, and so now that they've got their careers, yeah. If I do want get a man, I would like for him to at least have a mind to be where I'm at. You know, if he's not there. I'm just not going to marry anybody. So I don't think it's feminism coming back to bite them in the butt uh, when it pertains to African-American women. Now, other cultures, I can't speak to that. But for, you know, African-American women, I, I just don't think that that's completely accurate. But do we live in a society that will let black men and women rise together? I work for an organization. There are hardly any black men. <laughs> any black man there's black women there but there's hardly any black maybe one or two in the whole building and it's you know so has society allowed black men and black women to equally rise to equally rise i don't i don't think so <laughs> and i agree with that too i mean i'm the only black man at my job too and or I, there's two of us but you know two out of a hundred that's right right <laughs> So that's that's and that's this whole thing is really interesting and really the fact that he said that, too, because honestly, the trend has been of the last, I don't know, the last 10 years or so. Women are becoming more educated than men in terms of like who is making up a majority of the college educated labor force. Right. It's most it's mainly women now, like as of 2019, the majority was women. Um, and if the trend continues in that manner for, you know, to foresee indefinitely. It's going to be, you know, women that are going to be uh, marrying men with, you know, less education and those kind of things, too. But, you know, just because of the gender pay gap, you know, that that obviously still is going to have women earning less than a lot of men, even though they might be more educated in many cases. Um, so. Right. And I do want to say this in the I, I do want to say that I think a lot of times we confuse like our income, our net worth with our self-worth. He, a man is not worth less because he makes less than you. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't don't get those confused. And I think that sometimes we do that. Yeah, it's a great point. Great point. Cool. Well, I don't want to keep yeah. pushing on that. So, one. yeah, I guess we want to transition one more time. Well, before we get into our fast five, I had one quick question because this was something that's like it's a current event because of you know virus going around and everything right now. So that's leaving a lot of people unemployed. It's like unemployment's in tens of millions right now. It's really ridiculous. But um, I saw y'all post a tweet uh, just a couple of days ago that said um, if you if you're a family of four, like it means two adults, two kids that got a thirty four hundred dollars stimulus check and if you invested it instead of uh 
um, spending it with if you had a nine percent return theoretically just say that after 20 years it'll be worth twenty thousand four hundred and thirty dollars and so now i know from our experience that when we put out these type of posts that are telling you uh, like pretty much starting up the pot of like your choices you make in life people are very uh w- willing to like jump at you and start and just pretty much make all types of comments at you or just like it's very diverse in the response so i was just curious to see how this response how this response was for y'all given the situation <laughs> it was lit. All like. I did, all we did was post a stat. Okay, this is just mm-hmm. a, a math, quest, you know, a mathematical thing. Yeah. And folks, yeah, it made people upset. You know, people were like, "Well, we're people are struggling." Okay, I. It was like one in ten Americans have filed for unemployment. Well, that means nine of y'all are probably still working or somewhere around there. So that mm-hmm. is who the is for. Yeah. I feel people can do what they want to do. Um, with their money, but we just—you know what it is, Marlon and Alex. It's a—it's a saying that's like I heard growing up, like a hit dog will holler. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like a lot of people see the statistic, and it's like, man, I don't like that. Like that's true. I don't like. Yes, exactly. You know, they, they lash out, and it's mm-hmm. just like, don't don't get mad because you internalized it, and you know, and, and you see yourself in this statistic, or you see yourself in this post, right? We just putting it out there. We didn't tell mm-hmm. anyone. Anything. No, we didn't. We just we just putting this out there as information. And I think people just feel ways when they see it and they like, man, that's true. I don't want to see that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> or, see, I we don't judge people by how they spend. You can spend your money the way that you want to spend right. your money. If you want to make a change in your life, sure. We are financial coaches. We we could talk about it. You right. know, but <laughs> um, but yeah, it, cert- it certainly rubs some folks the wrong way. Yeah. But yep, and that's why I want to I want to highlight it because it's really just a call to action. It's trying to get you get you to that transformation of mindset more so than anything else. It's not telling you go spend your check on this. It's saying this is what you could be doing with your money if you had that financial education or if you had the financial wherewithal to say I'm gonna invest this versus just spend it. Uh, but I'm not I'm not saying that you have to um, invest it and you have bills to pay. I'm just saying this is what you could be doing with money as opposed to just spending everything that you make. And I think it just goes back to having those multiple streams of income that y'all have uh, that y'all built over time like I'm, i know i listened to one of y'all um, youtube episodes y'all said y'all had like eight streams of in, uh passive income coming in just in some form or fashion and that's just allowing y'all to be able to withstand these type of situations that we're going through right now so if we're going going through a virus or we're going through a, a economic depression where we have no job income we can still fall back on something else that's going to provide us with more income uh, regardless of what our job is doing for us and i think that's really the call to action that you're trying to portray more so Right, and I don't know why folks got so upset, but the truth of the matter is that West Economy been shut down for maybe five or six weeks, and if five or six weeks of no work completely knocked you out, then there was a financial issue before the mm-hmm. Rona came, you know? And that's not to make anyone feel bad because we've learned some lessons through Rona too, you know, yeah. but that's just the reality of it. Yeah, yeah, and that's, I think that's what people gotta realize too. Cause we had, we had did the same thing. I mean, Marlon had created that, I'm not just, you know that was I give Marlon the credit for that, <laughs> um, and he can take the blame. But Marlon had created that post <laughs> uh, when we did the. Uh, it was about oh, how sign, you can spend twelve hundred dollar. No, 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 the other one. Oh, that one. Okay, gotcha. About how you could either you know what do you say spend it on clothes? Like he had like the the guy that spent it on clothes and he loses all his money. The guy that saves it, he keeps all his money, and then the guy that invests it into a vending machine, right, or mm-hmm. some sort of business or something that generates you more money and then in the comments people people you know like 
there was actually one guy. It's this guy. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna call him out, yeah, but he's a out. verified. He's a verified dude, and uh, you know, I, I I thought highly of him a little bit before this, but he was like, <laughs> he was like, man, people. I mean, they gotta pay rent. They gotta do all these. I'm like, what? An, it's not really applicable to them. Obviously, if you have, <laughs> <Thank> if, you. <laughs> yeah, if, if you're if you're in a situation to where you need to pay this rent and you need the money for this, then obviously I'm not telling you to go spend your rent money on the vending machine, right? <laughs> so it's like, come on, dude. You you of all people should have known that. You been I mean he's a he's a guy with rental properties and all this stuff and you know, whatever. If that's how he is. But yeah. my whole thing is I, I love all the controversy. I love when people are talking because that means they're talking about you. And that means yeah. you know your name is in there. That means you know more publicity and all those things. So I love it. <laughs> that's, that's what my head is with it too. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up with the fast five. So this is kind of just uh, where we ask you five questions and you answer them in six seconds or less. Usually doesn't end up being like that, but we'll try. So uh, I'll take the first question and then we'll kind of alternate. First question is, what does success mean to y'all? Uh. I, I guess success is being able to live the life that we want to. Choices, yeah. Choices. Yep, exactly. Okay, cool. Number two, what's your favorite money or business book? You just said you do the one you did earlier. Rich Dad Poor Dad. I like Rich Dad Poor Dad. Let's go with Simple. that. I like that one. <laughs> Classic right, cool. right there. Think and Grow Rich. I like that one too. That's Sorry. another good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Facts. Okay. Would you rather have a thousand dollars a week for life or one million dollars today? I'll take the bag now. <laughs> <laughs> Without tax. Without taxes. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure a thousand a day is the correct it's answer. It's not a but day. It's a week. A thousand a week. A week. A thousand a week. Excuse me. My first thought. What am I do with that? I, I guess I could. A thousand a week. That probably. I know that's the answer, but I'll go with the bag. There is no answer. It's up to you. There's literally <laughs> no answer. Yeah, we take the bill. Shit, I'll take that million. You could flip that million into way more than a thousand a week. Right. <laughs> um. Number four. If you could go back and change anything about your journey, what would it be? would have started started earlier yep started earlier it's one of the classic answers right there too yep <laughs> sounds good okay. so then where can people find out more about y'all punches into the google search and a black married and debt free and we're on youtube instagram facebook and also on anywhere you get your podcast the black married and debt free podcast Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, that was the first time that actually ever was 60 seconds or less for each question. <laughs> good. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Usually it goes over. So I appreciate y'all for that. But this was super fun. I appreciate y'all coming on here, man. Uh, we really, you know, got to have a great conversation and got into a lot of great stuff. I think even besides like y'all's journey, just about things about in life in general and really a lot of uh, important things that people should really be thinking about and talking about. So I really appreciate y'all. <clears throat> man, thank you. Uh, I just want to say... I follow you guys, uh, and I really admire what you guys are doing. Um, I, 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 I get in the habit of looking at posts, but then I don't necessarily hit the hit the double tap, you know. But just know I'm always watching y'all, man, and I'm very proud of what y'all doing. And keep up, keep up the good work, man. Y'all, y'all killing it. Yes, thanks for having us. Yeah, appreciate, appreciate that definitely glad to have y'all on here glad it came full circle where y'all we've y'all have interviewed us now we get to interview y'all it's been pretty good though Perfect. <laughs> yeah. 
Yo, so we hope you guys enjoyed that podcast episode. We hope that we said something that you can take away and apply. We are here to inform and to inspire. So do us a huge favor and don't forget to rate this podcast five stars on whatever platform you're streaming us. And if you want to become a supporter of the Black Merit and Defree podcast, you can do so by clicking on the link below. That's it for now. Till next time, I'll let you guys later.